As I mentioned, today we kick off the 2024 Diocesan Services Appeal, so we're going to start today by watching a very brief message from the Bishop of the Diocese of Lansing and my boss. Where are you, Bishop? My sisters and brothers in Christ, the offering of the just enriches the altar. This verse from the book of Sirach can help us reflect on what we are doing during Mass. When we offer our prayers and gifts in union with others, we join ourselves to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the altar every Sunday. Our diocesan services appeal is one such occasion to unite ourselves more deeply to the sacrifice of the altar. Our DSA offerings are a powerful opportunity to enrich the work of the church in the year ahead. I would like to draw your attention to our DSA poster this year. It shows a thankful family presenting the offertory gifts to their pastor at the altar. The father presents the ciborium, which contains the hosts waiting to be transfigured into the body of Jesus. The young mother stands with the child clasped in one arm and in the other joyfully holds what will become the most precious blood. Their older son carefully holds the offering basket, which holds the collective generosity of his family and their community. The remaining children look on with smiling faces. You may notice an image of the cathedral on the top of the ciborium being held by the father. This combined image is a beautiful representation of DSA and how we should all strive to be cheerful givers united in the Holy Eucharist. Your DSA gifts are a part of the offerings that enrich the work of the church throughout our diocese. Food pantries provide meals for the hungry. Care and support is provided to mothers and children of unplanned pregnancies. Counseling centers support those with mental health and substance abuse issues. Catholic schools instruct children in the faith. Vocational formation yields strong marriages and the next generation of priests. The DSA supports all these and many more ministries that share the love of Jesus. DSA donations are vital to the corporal and spiritual works of mercy of our church. Your generosity underscores this profound truth that our offerings, our sacrifices, and our charity manifest the very essence of our faith consistently and without fail. Brothers and sisters, like our beautiful poster image, let our DSA contributions be joined to the sacred offerings we set on the altar as we all seek the sanctification which only the Lord can provide. Together, aided with the graces received through the Holy Eucharist, we will carry out the work of the church in the year ahead. Thank you, and may God bless you all for all that you do with and for one another. Thank you, Bishop Boyer. <clears throat> and so we are going to try to raise $220,000 here at Queens, helping the diocese on its way up to $5.75 million. And that is not so they can tuck it away to send the bishop to Tahiti or anything like that. Really, it is two-thirds of the diocese operating budget and 100 programs and ministries uh, that support people far beyond the walls of our parishes. Uh, to name just a few of the things that your one-time gift or pledge can support, 
We have DSA supporting adoption of foster care services, building and property management, campus ministry for our students at college and university across the diocese, the care of our senior priests, catechesis and catechist formation, the works of mercy of Catholic charities, Catholic schools, communications and technology, deacon formation, discipleship and lay formation, evangelization initiatives, faith-based counseling, faith magazine, Hispanic ministry, hospital ministry, human resources and legal services, marriage and family programs, marriage tribunal services, natural family planning and pro-life ministry, outreach ministry, parish financial services, pregnancy counseling, professional services for parishes, religious education, restorative justice and prison ministry, retreats and conferences, sacramental records, seminary formation of our future priests, the St. Francis Retreat Center, worship and liturgical resources, young adult vocational formation, youth ministry, the list goes on and on. That's just scratching the surface. You won't remember most of those things because of how fast I said them, but at one point or another, one of these DSA-supported ministries touches your life and your family. If you're getting married, if you're getting divorced, if you're getting a child baptized, if you're seeking some help through the Catholic Charities Counseling Services, if you're sending someone to get help for themselves or their family, so many different ways that your gift, your pledge can make a difference. And the bishop talked all about a sacrificial gift. That's what Lent is really all about. Sacrifice, prayer, penance, almsgiving, fasting, service, sacrifice, self-denial. Why? Because we want to realize a greater sacrifice was made for us. <clears throat> and that's the essence of our message today on the second Sunday of Lent. We start with a very difficult passage from Genesis chapter 22. Perhaps one of the most difficult in the whole Bible when it comes to who God is and whether God is good why? Because he is telling Abraham to kill his own son. What parent would do such a thing? What kind of God would ask such a thing? Abraham was 100 years old when his greatest prayer was answered when he finally became a dad, and that was his only hope of living on after death because before the resurrection, a man had to preserve his bloodline and his family name. Now God has given something to Abraham that he loves more than his own life, and he wants it back. Abraham doesn't question God's plan because he believes that God is God and he is not. Who is he to question the Lord who gives and the Lord who takes away? And so the stage is set. Abraham and Isaac leave Sarah behind. She has no idea what Abraham is prepared to do for God. If you were to ever look at the landscape of the old city of Jerusalem, you will see the golden dome of the rock right in the middle of the old walled city. Now it's a Muslim mosque, but it sits on top of Mount Moriah where this scene played itself out. Abraham is making Isaac carry the wood for the altar. All of this is a sign of what was going to happen thousands of years later when God's son took the wood of the cross up on Calvary. But if you looked at the citation for today's first reading, it's skipping all over chapter 22 of Genesis because it's too long for us to read here at the Mass. But an important verse that miss, is missing is verse 6, when Isaac asks his father, where's the lamb? They brought everything with them to offer sacrifice to God except an animal. Isaac doesn't know that he's about to be strapped to that altar. But in verse 6, Abraham makes a very prophetic statement. Trusting in the Lord, he says, Isaac, God himself will provide the lamb. And God did. Thousands of years later, on Good Friday, on the mountain called Calvary, God provided his son, the lamb, who is the priest, who is the altar, who is the sacrifice. 
God was never going to make Abraham follow through with that. God needed to make sure that Abraham would keep nothing from him. And it really defines what it means to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. To us, those are just words. But to Abraham, it meant everything. Because he knew that everything comes from God, including his own life, including his son's life. And if God wants either of those back, he can have them both because it's all his anyway. Abraham wasn't willing to sacrifice his son because he didn't love Isaac. It's because he loved God more. And he understood that he may never understand God's plan but it must be superior to his own. All of that. In the very first book of the Bible, right after Adam and Eve were kicked out of Eden, we already see a sign of the cross that is to come that was going to restore and make right the wrong that they committed that ruined everything for everyone. Jesus' crucifixion doesn't happen by accident. It was by design where God was going to sacrifice his son for us, for the forgiveness of our sins and for our salvation. He was willing to pay the ultimate price to restore what was broken, to gain back for us what was lost, to bring us out of darkness into light, back from death to new life. Jesus knew this. Because he is God, he knows everything. He knew his origin, heaven. He knew his destiny, back to heaven. And at what cost? The cross. He knew when it would happen, how it would happen, and by whose hand. But he was playing his cards pretty close to his chest when it comes to letting anybody else know that. The scene in the gospel today at the beginning of Mark chapter 2 makes more sense when we consider what happened at the end of chapter 8. At the end of Mark chapter 8, Jesus finally let the apostles know where he was going and where he was leading them. When those simple fishermen of Galilee laid down their nets and left everything, they made some assumptions. Jesus never told them where they were going. They assumed that because he's the Messiah, this must be for glory, victory. But at the end of chapter 8 of Mark, Jesus tells them he was going to experience betrayal. He was going to be sentenced to death and murdered. They were dumbfounded. They weren't so sure that it was a wise choice to leave everything and follow him. But what he said next was even worse for them. He said, whoever wishes to be my disciple, whoever wishes to follow me, must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Not only was Jesus going to suffer, there was a cross being carved for each and every one of them. This is news. This was bad news, not the good news of the gospel. This was devastating. <laughs> they believed that Jesus was leading them off a cliff, and who is going to catch them? And it's with those heavy hearts then that Jesus takes only Peter, James, and John on top of Mount Tabor. And that night as they're sleeping, they're awakened in the darkness by a blinding bright light. It isn't the sun. It isn't the moon. It's not a star. It's the Son of God. Looking, uh, squinting eyes, trying to see what's going on up there. On the top of Tabor, they see Jesus like they'd never seen him before. His clothes dazzling white. And there's not some sort of spotlight shining on him. The light is coming from him. Lumen Christi, the light of Christ, that's what he is. For those sitting in this side of the church, you can see the transfiguration in the middle window on the west wall where Jesus is floating there on Tabor and the light is not shining on him. The light is shining forth from him. And what's more astounding is he's not alone. He has Moses and Elijah. Moses holding the stone tablets of the Ten Commandments. 
a thousand years before Jesus, Elijah, a thousand years before Jesus, both of them there to show that law and prophecy of a thousand years are being fulfilled. And as if there was any doubt about that, God throws his hat in the ring. He speaks from the heavens just like he did at Jesus' baptism. This is my son. They needed people to understand, especially Peter, James, and John, that the news they just heard, it wasn't an accident. It wasn't a surprise. It was all part of the plan. God's plan to answer prayers and fulfill prophecies and set people free from sin, Satan, and death. Those men who had just learned of Jesus' death were now seeing a glimpse, a snapshot of his resurrection, showing that his story does not end in darkness and death, neither will ours, and what seems to be the time of his defeat will in fact be the hour of his great triumph. That sacrifice, and there's a reward, and there is sacrifice and reward for us as well, no matter what we give up this Lent. Even if we gave everything up this Lent, we would know that God gave up more when he held back nothing in order to love you and to forgive you in hopes that one day he will see you seated beside him in his kingdom. And so then that is the strength that we need in order to finish this Lenten journey, to deny ourselves, to take up our crosses and follow wherever he leads us, knowing whatever the cost of discipleship is that he gives to us, he has paid a greater one for love of us.